Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Oh, this is gonna be fun. We can stand late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making what? Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I'm not going to give you a can question. You can you stay categorical? You are fake news. Sir, go ahead. I can, you can see Russia from my house. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Uh, we, um, like drink box water bottle. I don't know. A proof is a proof. What kind of proof? It's a proof. Here come the players. Champions. 
Yeah, that's right. I think it was, uh, is it uh, uh, Jerry Mavity? Is that, uh, I know. Uh, Larry, Larry Mavity. Yeah, he Larry, passed away last year. It. Yeah, that's right. Larry, Larry Mavity was the coach at the time. He played, uh, he actually switched leagues. Patty was playing, my brother uh, Patty was playing in, in the West and he switched over to the East when I was playing for the uh, Leafs. And uh, I think that's the time when Marty McSorley actually was oh, uh, there yeah, in yeah, Melville. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they played together. And, uh, and then uh, Pat, uh, his hockey career kind of ended after, after junior. And he went, uh, uh, married a girl. He went, actually, he lived at my house. Uh, I was playing for the Jets at the time. And, and uh, he lived at my house all through his school years. He got his, uh, his degree and met a girl while he was at school. Uh, Audrey Klippenstein and they moved out west and uh, he's been a school teacher ever since out west they have two kids and uh, please tell me she kept her maiden name because that sounds (laughs) awesome I love it (laughs) she did not oh man she did not and did you charge him rent at least when he when he lived with it one of the things one of the things that used to happen on a regular basis is I was a single person and so what I did was uh, you know I said listen Pat you can use my vehicle and stuff and I'd fill it up with gas and I'd fill the fridge up with um, with food. And so, you know, back then we used to go on, sometimes we used to go on a week to 10 day, uh, road trips out West. And, uh, so that was not uncommon. We used to do that at least twice a year. And so th- the big problem is, is we come, when I come back, I'd get a ride back with someone here or I take a taxi back to my place. And the next morning I would, you know, go to practice and my car was on fumes. And not only that, sometimes we'd go home a little later. I couldn't even, there was nothing left in the fridge. There wasn't even milk or cereal I could have. So the only thing I asked my brother is, I said, Pat, listen, because, you know, you know, back in the days, well, even today you get fined if you're late. Yeah. And uh, so I'd be going, oh, you know, Lord, help, help me get to practice so that the car doesn't run out of gas. And, you know, it was really literally on fumes The you know, the gas gauge was always on E or past E. And so the, the only two things that I asked them to do is make sure there's milk. There's a, at least a bag of milk or a, you know, you know, or a carton of milk and a little bit of cereal left. That's all I ask. Cause then I'll, you know, when I have time the next day, I'll go in the store and I'll, I'll uh, you're a good up. brother. You're a good brother. And did, did he, <laughs> did he oblige you and did he do that for you? After I asked him to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So let's let's talk a bit. You were drafted uh, ninth ninth overall, first round. Uh, had a pretty successful junior career. You you lost out in the Memorial Cup when we were doing the the search to the Peterborough Peets. Do you hold any malice towards the Peterborough Peets? <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, because no, I was, still uh, do. So uh, yeah, <laughs> big it's rivalry. Okay you it's good. If you, it's good if you do actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's healthy if you do. No. Yeah. No. So, um, we lost in overtime. Uh, uh, a guy by the name of Bob Atwell uh, scored the winning goal, but uh, they had a few NHLers, Larry Murphy, Tim Trimper. Uh, I think those were the two most uh, uh, sort of notable uh, players from that particular yeah. team. Who, who was their coach uh, back then? Uh, it was Gary Green. Okay. Actually, Gary oh, Green yeah. was coached. Then the next year he went to Washington uh, to coach the Capitals, and he was the youngest NHL coach at the time wow. uh, when he coached the Capitals, yeah. So. That's so. Um, so then you were drafted by the Leafs, and let's yeah. talk about that for a bit. Um, uh, mm-hmm. you, you went to the Toronto, uh, weren't a believer, and then tell us how you came to faith uh, in that process when you got to Toronto. Yeah, sure. So you know what? Uh, uh, part of the part of the thing for me was is uh, as a kid growing up, um, I considered myself uh, a Christian. I, I I was a good kid. Uh, we went to church on a regular basis, and uh, and uh, uh, you know I thought based on going to church and we went to the Catholic church and, 
you know, I, I used to, you know, go to f- confession regularly when I, I lived at home. And, you know, I, I, I thought, well, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a church going person. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a good person. You know, I thought I, I never killed anyone. You know, I'm not as bad as, you know, Bruce Mackey or, <laughs> yeah, you, you got to watch or, that guy eh? or, 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 or Steve Hyde, you know, or something, you know, like, <laughs> True something enough. like this. So that, that's my kind of thinking, but um, you know, and I got to Toronto, you know, I thought as a, as a youngster, as a 19 year old, you know, if I, you know, I mean, I really never thought that I'd make it to the National Hockey League. I, I really, I think everybody who plays hockey, who's serious about it, you know, who has a favorite team or favorite players, you kind of, you know, f- fantasize about what that would be like. And that, that's, you know, what it was like for me. But then when I got to be uh, 17 years old, I, I played junior hockey. And, you know, the thought occurred to me that it might be a possibility because we had a really strong junior team. And I played with Brian Propp and Ray Ellison, who ended up having, uh, you know, pretty solid NHL careers. And so long and short of it was, is I started to think that, hey, this might become a reality. And then in 1979, I got drafted by the Leafs and and went to Toronto. And of course, getting drafted is one thing, uh, you know, making the team is the other thing. Uh, made the team and, I, you know, I got to play with guys I watched on TV, uh, Daryl Sittler, Ronnie Ellis, Borja Salming, uh, Tiger Williams. And so, you know, for me, it was a dream come true to be able to do this. And, you know, as a kid, when I was sitting there, you know, in my bed at night and, you know, collecting hockey cards and, uh, you know, SO hockey stamps for my stamp book and all those kinds of things, <laughs> I thought that if I ever made it to the National Hockey League, that my life would be, you know, at the apex. I would have everything that life had to offer. And now here I was, I, I, I you know, I made the team. I was playing with these guys. I was traveling around. I was going to the Foreman Montreal, the, you know, the old garden in Boston. And I was doing everything that I had dreamed of doing. And yet I can't, uh, you know, explain to you, Bruce, other than, than to say that I wasn't happy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, everything was going well. I was playing regularly. I was playing with John Anderson and Rocky Saganuk. They called us the kid line, uh, you know, after that primo line um, uh, back in Toronto. And, and, uh, and so uh, the biggest difference, though, is I sat next to uh, a guy on my team by the name of Ron Ellis. And Ron yeah. Ellis was, you know, he was married with two kids. He was 35 years old. I was 19. I was single. And I used to sit next to him and think, man, this guy is so old. He's a fossil, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I realized, you know, you know, in my early twenties and stuff like 35 is not that old, but as a 19 year old, you thought, wow, that, he's old. Yeah. And, um, but I saw something in Ron that was different. I saw something uh, in him that I didn't have. And that was peace, uh, no matter through the ups and downs of, 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 um, of hockey, uh, whether he was scoring goals or whether we were winning or whether we were losing, he was always the same. And I was really attracted to that. And I kept asking Ron questions because I sat right next to him. And then one day I came in early, uh, Bruce. And I said to him, I said, Ronnie, listen, you know, I've been watching you for a few months. And I said, you know, there's something different about you. And I said, oh, Ron, not, not weird, but there's something <laughs> different good. And I said, what is it that makes you tick? And he said something as a 19-year-old I'd never heard before. He said, Lori, he said, I'm a born-again Christian. He said, I try and use the Bible as a guide for my life. Well, uh, as a 19-year-old kid growing up out West, I never even heard that terminology before as a born-again Christian, because like mm. I said, as a, <coughs> excuse me, as a good Catholic kid, I thought, I'm a Christian too. I'm just not as religious as Ronnie. And uh, then I realized after talking to Ronnie and after Hockey Ministries, who I worked for uh, the past uh, 27, 28 years, uh, I realized 
uh, that I really didn't know what it meant to be a Christian because I didn't really know. Well, no, not really. I didn't know anything that was in the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, I just thought, you know, because I'm a, a good person and because I believe in God, uh, you know, there, and I believe in Jesus, uh, therefore I'm a Christian. And uh, then I, I went to chapel programs and found that, you know, my sin separated me from God. And it was something that, that God, uh, through his Holy Spirit, was really drawing me to him. And, uh, and so I made a decision for Christ during that first year. And he, you know, as the scripture said, he took my heart of stone and turned it into a heart of flesh and started to that process where he starts to change our lives. That's very, very cool. And so we're going to talk about that a bit. Uh, now, now Ron Ellis's son actually lives in Belleville, RJ. RJ tells a story that, uh, uh he, then uh, Ryan Sittler would get to come in the, you don't have the COVID, do you? You're, I see you coughing there. You're, are you good? I, I don't know. Oh, good. I'm, I'm good. I've got two been... grandkids and they're coughing in my face and stuff. So, oh, there you uh, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to get a nasal swab or something. You're good. Um, no, so RJ tells the story that he and, and uh, Ryan Sittler and a few of the boys used to play tape hockey, tape ball yeah. in the dressing room and yeah. they'd be, so their dads would be out having to practice and then they'd be playing in the dressing room. And then as guys would come off the ice, they said, Lori was like closer to our age. So he would come off the ice and <laughs> play tape ball with us sure and one time they shot and hit uh punch imlac hit him in the head apparently with a tape ball nice. and they got banned from the dressing room <laughs> any recollection of that at all well well no but you know what there were kids obviously the guys uh, who had kids they brought them in the dressing room and of course i was 19 years old and and you're right i i just uh i i was more closer to those kids age <laughs> yeah. than, than i than i was maybe to ronnie ellis but uh <laughs> But, uh, so, but no, I, you know, there's lots of stories about our time with, uh, with Punch and Black and stuff. I don't recall that, but there were lots of situations in Toronto where, you know, Punch took the uh, ping pong table away and uh, all kinds of old school things that, uh, you know, that he tried to do back in the 60s when he, you know, when the Leafs last won the cup in 67 and, <laughs> and you know, in the, in the late 70s. And of course, you want to repeat that again? And, when did the Leafs last win the cup? Yeah, what yeah, that's that? a long time ago. Oh, yes, it was. It's, it's longer than you've been on the earth, <laughs> yeah, Bruce, okay? just to let you know. Okay? I know. I just uh, want to yeah, make sure everyone knows that, right? Yeah. I just want to make sure everyone knows that. Um, yeah, Bob, Bob, I don't know where you go, but you're probably a Leaf fan being close to Belleville or something, eh? Oh, yeah. I was uh, in grade three when they won that cup. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's great. So let's talk about, speaking of old things and back in the day, let's talk about the owner of the right. uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. So when we go on Wikipedia, according yep. to your Wikipedia, or I don't know if you've ever been on there, and if you actually want us to add anything or do anything, uh, Stevie's your guy. He'll hook you up. <laughs> so. I, got you. I can change whatever you want, James. <laughs> Let me know. I, know. I like the interwebs. Yeah. <laughs> so it said that you were traded. Basically, Harold Ballard found out you were a believer and didn't yeah. like that you'd become a born-again Christian, and he thought you'd right. become too soft, and so right. he traded you. Is that pretty accurate? Well, well I, I mean, it's it, it, it kind of touches on, on sort of a little bit of the – the, the story and 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 probably I don't have enough time uh, because you never told me prior to being on here how long we have because I can talk. I, I know you I can. Know you do that. <laughs> I, I know you, Lori. <laughs> Take as long as you but, want. We're good. But but no, uh, some of the things that happened uh, were is, is I had a pretty good first year. Uh, I played most of my games during the Leafs, and I don't know. I haven't looked at my stats in a long, long time. Um, my second year. Um, of course, I'd become a Christian in March of, uh, of 1980, so at the end of my first year. And so uh, my life started to change in a good way. 
And uh, so I, I came back and I played with many of those same individuals I mentioned earlier. And of course, internally, uh, I didn't do some of the things that I used to do uh, as a first year player. And so, of course, the guy, the guys would talk and they tease me. And of course, you know, that got to the coaches and of course, up the up the chain to the general manager to punch him luck and Harold Ballard. And so they said, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know exactly how it happened, but they knew that Boschman had found religion as they, as they sort of mm. uh, phrased it. And so my, my second year I got mononucleosis. I got in a fight with uh, uh, what turned out to be one of my assistant coaches in New Jersey, Robbie Fatork. I gave him an uppercut, chipped his tooth uh, in Quebec city. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, the next day we, uh, or that night we flew back to Toronto and, the, the doctor in Quebec city had, had uh, stitched uh, my index finger up uh, right, right at the knuckle. But uh, what had happened was, is the next day I go into the, to the locker room and my, my, my hand and part of my forearm was swollen up. It, it had been like I had been bitten by something that had really swollen up and long and short of it is I got blood poisoning. I was out for three weeks and I was in the hospital on a, on an IV drip. He should have gave me a, a tetanus shot apparently. Uh, I mean, what does a 19 year old kid know about, uh, you know, fighting and the fact that the, you know, you chip someone's tooth and I guess your, uh, your, 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 um, uh, your mouth is very, you know, there's lots of bacteria and that's what exactly what happened. So my, my second year, I, I missed uh, like 27 games or something. So my third year, I'm a first round pick ninth overall, you know, the expectations were that I was going to come out and, uh, you know, have a sort of a, a standout year and I came out and really wasn't playing well. And as, as would uh, have it, as it worked out, uh, we were playing in uh, New York against the Rangers one night and Harold Ballard was being interviewed by a, a gentleman by the name of Dick Beddows. Dick Beddows used yeah. to be the, uh, uh, the TV guy for CHCH in Hamilton. And of course the Leafs were on TV every Wednesday and Saturday night. And so they were interviewing him and they talked about, uh, you know, I was playing that night. So I, I didn't hear about this till till uh, actually the next day. And uh, Harold Ballard had, well, what had happened was we played the Rangers that night. Ballard went on an interview. And uh, after the game, we lost and we chartered home after the game. And uh, back to Toronto. And uh, so it's like two in the morning and we're practicing the next day. So the next day I go into practice and I'm usually there early. Daryl Sittler comes in and says, Bosh, come here. Uh, did you hear what happened last night? And I said, no, is everything all right with Wendy and the kids? And he said, yeah. And when Daryl got home at two o'clock in the morning, his late wife, Wendy had, had taped the game and on the VHS, uh, this is going back, right guys? VHS tape. <laughs> it's a VHS. Uh, I've got said, one right here, actually. <laughs> he said, it wasn't a beta, it was VHS. It was the next model, right? And, uh, and, and Wendy said, Daryl, turn on the VCR. Daryl, turn on the VCR. And Dick Beddows was interviewing Harold Ballard. And basically what happened was Harold Ballard had said that, you know, we're concerned with Bosch, but he's not playing well. And it's because of his religion. And we're either going to trade him or send him to the minors because he's got too much religion. Wow. So wow. that's what Daryl said to me. And Daryl said, you know, that's what Ballard said. So he said, just get ready after practice because the media is going to come after you and ask you, you, you know, what your comments are. And of course, there's always lots of media down in, at, at Maple Leaf Gardens. And of course, even more so today with the, you know, with the internet and sports channels, which weren't around back then, but there was always lots of media following the Leafs, both radio and TV. And of course, they all wanted to know what my comments were. And basically what I said 
I said, I thought it was Mr. Ballard's ignorance towards Christianity that he'd make a statement like that. And so what happened from there, Bruce, that was my third year in the league. I was 21 years old. Um, uh, I actually wasn't 21 yet. I was still 20 years old and I was new in my faith. And, uh, and there was a whole bunch of debate in the media about what it means to be a born-again Christian. Can a born-again Christian fight? Can you be aggressive? What's wrong with Boschman? Is religion a problem? Uh, I had, you know, I had people writing into me, lots of people writing into me saying, uh, you know, some very positive things. And I had some people writing into me saying, you know, you can't be a Christian because you're playing hockey on a Sunday and you shouldn't be, you know, so <laughs> wow. I got the full gamut. Right. Wow. Uh, and and uh, so fortunately for me, I had a guy by the name of uh, like Ron Ellis had retired now, but Mel Stevens up at teen ranch was yep. Uh, yep. Uh, a good, good friend of mine. And he was helping me uh, disciple me, help me to understand what it meant uh, to be a Christian, what the Bible really had to say and encouraged me to look into the Bible for myself. And so I, I would do that. And I would ask him lots of questions And in fact, it got so bad in Toronto that uh, Mike Nicolak was now the coach um, and Jerry McNamara was the general uh, general manager. Yeah. And Mike Nicolak was the coach with uh, Freddie Shiro back in in the early 70s when the Flyers won their cups in, I think, 74, 75. And it got so bad that after practice uh, one day, uh, Mike Nicolak came to me and said, "Uh, Bosch, uh, we'd like you to go see. And I can't remember the doctor's name at uh, uh, at uh, the Wesleyan hospital, the one that was close to downtown there. I think, I think that's a Wesleyan. He said, uh, we want you to go see, uh, you know, Dr. So-and-so he's our psychiatrist. Well, the least didn't have a psychiatrist. So anyways, I I go after practice one o'clock, I go see Dr. So-and-so and and I met with him and I sat in his office for about an hour. Two days later, Mike Nicolak, the coach of the Leafs calls my parents at called my dad at his work and said, Mr. Boschman, uh, Mike Nicklock here with the Leafs. Uh, yeah, we sent uh, Lori on Wednesday to see Dr. So-and-so as a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist said he's brainwashed. Is there anything what? you can do to help what? Uh, your son? And so my, my mom and dad broke that news to me, not the coach of the Leafs or anything. That night they called me in tears because I come from a family that, uh, a Catholic family that thought, just like I did. They were Christians because they were good people. They go to church and believe in God. And uh, so anyways, it became untenable for me to uh, in Toronto. And, uh, and then I asked to be traded and, and, and then I got traded to, you know, to Edmonton and um, wow. played there for parts of two years and then went to Winnipeg for seven where my, you know, my career really took off. Well, then- and interesting, interesting uh, guys, which is kind of unusual. John Ferguson, uh, uh, senior, not junior, because uh, yep. John, John Ferguson Jr. Uh, was the GM of the lease for a time, and a good GM John, too. Yeah, I thought so. I thought he did a pretty <laughs> good job. But John figures John Ferguson uh, senior picked me up in Winnipeg. GMs don't pick up hockey players when they get traded. <laughs> no kidding. He yeah. picked me up at the Winnipeg airport, and he said, "Lori," he said, "Listen, don't worry about." I'm good with that religion stuff. He said, I just want you to play hockey. I said, thanks, John. I'll, 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 do, I'll do both. And, and it just turned into a pretty good marriage for both of us. That's awesome. So yeah. you, you played in Edmonton for a couple of years, and, and yeah. you played in, in Winnipeg. We're going to talk about that for a sec. But, uh, you know, the, um, Harold Ballard thought you'd be soft. How many penalty minutes did you end up with in your career? 
I don't remember. Oh, I, I, you, you know who? We have an encyclopedia. We ha, I, I don't know if you're telling me the truth on that one, but we have no. an encyclopedia guy right here. I think Stevie knows. Yeah, I, I check Wikipedia. Now, there's some debate on this. Some say okay. 2,263. Some okay. want to give you, maybe they get want to give you one more minor, and they want to give you 2,265. So there's a tripping in there. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of up for debate, but it's it's in the range. Okay, well, you know what, Steve? The refs always pick on me. Okay? Oh, here we go. It. I just yeah, want yeah, that yeah. for the record, okay? So let's go, gotcha. let's go back to the drawing board. Of the all-time penalty minute leaders, what number on the all-time NHL penalty minute leaders are you? Do you know that? I, I don't, but one thing I do know because, and it wasn't my kids who told me, because my, my three boys, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, to your, to your kids, you're just dad, right? right. You're, you're no big deal, which is great, you know, and I love that. But uh, somebody had told me when I retired that I was in the top 10. So, I mean, that's uh, quite a few years ago. I've been out for 27 years, so I've dropped considerably. So You're number but, number 36, we believe, on the list. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and just ahead of you, the do you have the list there, by, uh, Stevie? I got it here somewhere. Yeah, I can dig it up. Yeah, that's, just uh, well, there's, you know well, who the number know, one is. Uh, uh, yeah, Tiger Williams. Yeah, yeah Tiger. Tiger, yeah, Tiger yeah. and then I think uh, I think Dale Hunter is next. And Dale Hunter was a heck of a player. Uh, yeah. You know, the uh, general manager and, and coach for the London Knights. But he was a great player. But he was feisty and tough. And you know, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't. Uh, you know, sort of a big, big fighter. But he was. Uh, and he was an effective player. Who was the toughest uh, guy you had to play against? Oh, I, that's a real tough one, Bruce. Because back in our day. You have to remember the game is different than today. And, and I love the way the game is played today. It's fast. They, nobody can hook. You can't, you know, defensemen can't cross check in front of the net like they used to back in the day. And there were so many tough players, you know, whether that be a sort of a Bob Probert or, you know, like every era will talk about the toughness, but like Terry O'Reilly, Tiger Williams. I mean, those guys yeah. were like tough, tough players, like, you know, Danny Maloney, who, who passed away recently, like I played with Danny in, in Toronto. Those guys were tough. Like, you know, uh, Paul Holmgren, Dave Schultz. Uh, man, those, those guys just stand back and throw, you know, haymakers, right? And they were just, you know, in like Jeff Og, Odger, Odger, Odgers. And just you can go down the list. There was so many players. Every team had two or three guys that were genuine tough. And you, you combined your game. How would you describe your game? Because when I look, uh, I, yeah, there's a toughness, but you, you had some success around the net too. And, well, uh, yeah, you know what? Like, you have to remember, though, like, uh, like, again, back in our day, there was a lot more intimidation. There was, like, when I first broke in, you know, Bruce, if you, if you and I were fighting, you know, and Bob and Steve were on the ice, they would drop their gloves too and square off with one another. So the two that would fight, the other eight on the ice – would drop their gloves and square off. And then in the early eighties, they changed that because there was so many branch clearing brawls and stuff during those, uh, you know, the, the, the Philly years, the broad street bullies and stuff, you know, which were, which was on the spectrum was on broad street in Philadelphia. And of course yep. they used that, that, uh, that technique very effectively. They were like a pack of wolves, right. With Bobby Clark and, you know, and, and, and Bobby was, was, you know, like he wasn't fighting tough, but he was, I mean, a diabetic and he was, you know, hardworking, you know, hated to lose. And, you know, I'm not sure he was, you know, he certainly couldn't fight like some of those guys, but he didn't need to. 
because he just get things going, and they, they had all kinds of guys. He hated uh, the dentist, too, did he not? What's that? <laughs> he hated the dentist, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. He had a few teeth yeah. out. So, so let, let me ask you this. Like You, you had lots of penalty minutes, uh, yeah. scored lots. Did it ever come out on the ice about your faith? Did, did people trash talk you on the oh, ice about that? all the time. What, yeah, they, what kind of things like, they say? Oh, they they call me hypocrite, Bible thumper. Did uh, you know, Bosch, when you tear a few pages out of your Bible, you know, or go read the Bible, or yeah. So, uh, so know, if you hook them, all kinds, they'd say all, all kinds, kinds of stuff, all con- kinds of that stuff, which it never bothered me and stuff like that. You know, like you you used to hear, like I don't know if there's more or less, uh, you know, if you would trash talking today. I think there's probably more today, but back in the day, if you got up three goals on a team. You you didn't want to run up the score because you knew you'd be fighting the rest of the uh, yeah, yeah. the rest of the the third period or or the second and third. So you you kind of tempered things a little bit and and you just didn't want to get you know didn't want to embarrass that team too much or else you'd have like whatever whoever you were playing right. So let me ask you this: How do you reconcile? And mm-hmm. and I mean I, I've heard Tim Burke say once that if Jesus were playing baseball, he'd be uh, thrown at the thrown at the guy's head sometimes playing aggressive. And right. taking the guy out at second base. How do you how yeah. do you reconcile being a faith and yeah. playing aggressive? Yeah, no, it's a great question. You know, people I, I used to get asked throughout the course of my career, and of course after my career, people would say, you know, how can you call yourself a Christian, Lori, with and play the way you did? Like I, I didn't mind fighting. Now I wasn't, you know, a fighter. Like I wasn't noted as a tough guy. I was noted as someone who wasn't afraid to fight. And I was noted as a real competitor. So I would never use scripture to say, you know, because I think sometimes uh, as Christians, you can cherry pick verses of scripture to sort of back certain positions. And I would never do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I played hard. Uh, I, I, you know, love the Lord. And part of the thing is, is in the, the rules of hockey, uh, uh, um, you know, still allow fighting. And it's five minutes for fighting and, and, you know, these kinds of things. So they have rules within the game. And if you break those rules, well, then you spend time in the penalty box. And I used to say it's no different than, you know, when you finish this uh, podcast, if you, you know, jump on the, you know, on the 401 and, and, you know, the 401 says it's 100 kilometers, but maybe you might go 110, maybe you might go 112. You know, you're going a little bit more than the speed limit. So you're taking a bit of a chance by breaking that speed limit that the fact it's not that you want to run your truck or car, you know, down there as fast as you can, but you know that there's certain rules and, and uh, that if you break the rules, you're going to get a ticket or you're going to spend time in the penalty box in hockey. You know, if uh, uh, you know what the coaches have at their disposal is they cannot play you as much and they can sit you on the bench. And as an athlete, you want to get out there, you want to compete, you want to be part of the, the whole process. So as a Christian, I'd say, look, I really do love Jesus, but I also love to compete. And uh, as a Christian, within the rules of the game of hockey, they allow for fighting, and I am not afraid to fight. And I'm not afraid to battle hard against someone. And a lot of times when I'm battling for the puck in the corner, uh, and uh, Bob and I are battling for that puck, uh, I'm not thinking, what would Jesus do when I go in the corner? (laughs) I'm thinking about how I can get that 
how I can separate Bob from the puck. You have to watch Bob it, in the corner. He's cagey when he gets in there. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you know? he's pretty yeah. bad when he gets in there. I, I heard I heard he's uh, he's probably the best skater on this That's uh, right, on podcast. this podcast. Yeah, there so I wanted to make sure. And I just want to say, once you're a competitor, I will say this now. I've had the privilege yeah. of being a chaplain uh, with, with the Babel Centers. And this year, I'm doing a, uh, we're doing it together. Uh, Lori and I are doing it together with uh, Ottawa and Belleville. And we, we do a little thing called trivia in our uh, chapel time. And Lori plays along in trivia. And I will say you're aggressive and wanting to win in trivia. <laughs> just like, you, and the, you won the first week. And then you uh, lost the next then, week, and, and then I then I then I had a, a mini slump, <laughs> and then and then what happened the third week, Bruce? I, I just I just want to talk about the second week. Like I, I don't I don't want to uh, like I I don't want to brag or anything like really, Bruce. Okay, no, but at the okay. second week you did lose, and you called me the next day, and you were protesting some of the questions that were asked. <laughs> you guys, okay, Bob and Steve, the questions were from like this. You know, this magazine that no one has ever heard of. It's the hockey news. <laughs> it's the hockey news. I don't People know. of I power and the influence. Belleville news put out by, uh, oh. I don't know, uh, it's somebody guy, in it's a guy named, County yeah. or something. It's a guy named Cork Hanna that puts out the Belleville news all the time. Yeah, that's who it was, Steve. I think it was yeah. Cork Hanna, you know. Cork, yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff was like way out. Yeah. Like, oh, good. oh, my goodness. So, so let me ask this. Uh, now that you're working, you've been working working with hockey ministries for a number of years. You've been yeah. working with the Ottawa senators uh, in the chaplaincy role uh, or with hockey ministries, but you're also the alumni uh, president with the, uh, you sure you don't have the COVID? I saw you cough there. Again. <laughs> um, uh, I, you've also been helping coordinate NHL chapels. How many teams in the NHL have a chapel leader or have a chapel president presence within their uh, organization? Uh, we have 25 out of 31 teams okay. that uh, that uh, have an active uh, chapel program. And of course, like everybody else, like everything during this pandemic, uh, we we are um, um, trying to find we, unique we, ways. We, we we really can't. Uh, the only unique yeah. way is uh, what we're doing now is uh, is Zoom. Yeah, that's that's really the only way. Now there are some there are some U.S. states that are opening up a little bit, allowing people into the buildings and stuff like that. But of course, that's not happening up here with the seven Canadian teams. Well, we just saw tonight, and you know, the, the Toronto Blue Jays are playing in Texas, Texas Rangers, yeah. their brand new stadium. Uh, exactly. I actually checked tonight; it's wide open, and okay. and there's some tickets still available, but it's it's not a ton of tickets. You can actually go; they're going to sell to capacity. Would you go to a game at capacity in COVID times, Lori Boschman? Yeah, you know what? I, I have to tell you, um, I, I I would. Um, it, it doesn't uh, uh, like I support like you know I got a I got a call a couple of weeks ago from a friend actually to go uh, to Kingston because uh, I turned I turned sixty uh, last summer, and uh, for those sixty year older could get uh, there was room at uh, uh, one of the drugstores to get to, to to get the AstraZeneca shot. And, uh, you know, I just said to our friends, uh, at Tony and Marine, I said, you know, I'm not interested right now. So here's the thing. I, I, I certainly don't have a problem. I'm not an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. I do a lot of traveling. I jump on planes lots. Of course, I haven't been on a plane in a year. If the airlines require me to get a, a, a vaccination, of course, I'm going to get a vaccination. But up until uh, that point, I'm going to take my chances. I know over 36 people now. Uh, one of our neighbors, uh, Allison, has it as well. And uh, I, I know out of those 36 people, they are from ages 15 to 73. And 
uh, all of them had various symptoms, not all the symptoms, but various symptoms that you talk, that you read in the news, lethargy to sweating to uh, um, loss of appetite, uh, you know, those kinds of things, but everybody is fine. And I talked to Allison uh, yesterday, we were in Toronto for a couple of days, seeing some of our kids and grandkids. And we came back and I saw Allison and she's been kind of uh, socked out for a week, but she's starting to feel better. And so all that to say is uh, we have two nurses that live across the street. I talk to them all the time and at two hospitals here in town, just to ask them, Hey, what's, you know, and um, so I think I'm going to take my chances uh, uh, with it because uh, um, you, you know, I believe it's, it's more like uh, if you don't have any underlying conditions and stuff, yeah. uh, I think you're going to be just fine from what I understand and what I read. Uh, you know, but here's the other thing too. Um, I believe that as a Christian, that there's an appointed time for me uh, to yep. die. That's what the Bible says. Yep. yep. And, uh, and God knows that. And I'm not trying to be reckless or foolish or anything like that. Uh, but if I would, you know, if Canadian Tire Center opens up and allows fans to come in, which they're not going to, till likely the fall, hopefully the fall. Yeah. Will I, will I go to a game? Will my wife and I go to a game? Absolutely. we would. That's awesome. I'll be there too. So let's talk to expand COVID what's been happening with Zooms. You've been actually doing a Zoom with some NHL alumni guys. Right. Can you, can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Just what's happening? Uh, and- I can, yeah. We, we started it uh, actually like in, in March uh, 2020. And we've done about, uh, you know, we've, we've had it bi-monthly, so twice a week. And we have anywhere from 34 to 72 players on. And wow. uh, I, I won't, just for confidentiality, yeah, I won't mention us. names and stuff. Um, but uh, there's... Uh, um, people of faith uh, who are former NHL hockey players and some who are just curious and they're friends of some of us who we've invited to come on the call and check it out. And so basically it's about an hour long and we usually have somebody uh, would interview uh, one of the players. So one player interviewing another player um, and uh, we have uh, somebody else would be talking a little bit about what, you know, faith and hockey, what that looks like, a little bit about their career. And then we have uh, a prayer time at the end because there's lots, uh, of course, to, uh, uh, to, to bring before the Lord. Um, do you have the, trivia in those games too? Do you have trivia in those we, times? We do not have trivia. Okay. No, we don't actually, we don't have time because it goes by so fast. So okay. you usually the main, when we have uh, two people interviewing, it usually takes anywhere from 20 to, I, I think 20 to 40 minutes and they try and keep it within that time frame. Oh, there you go. I interviewed uh, Mark Osborne before. I don't know if you ever heard it. I'm just going to play a segment of his, because uh, I interviewed him. Here's his interview. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? <laughs> People know me. <laughs> ah, all right, that wasn't him, but. <laughs> that sounds like Ozzy. Yeah, that sounds like Ozzy. Oh, we're going to try and get him on the show. He'll <laughs> he'll send me texts from time to time when Montreal's doing bad. He, he Now, he's working for L.A., He's and, just code for LA Kings, yeah. Yeah, and he's working with a local guy here, and so he'll send me texts all the time, and just he's got a dry, very competitive nature about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he loves to golf, okay? And I hate golf, okay? <laughs> so uh, I tease Ozzy all the time and stuff. Ozzy and Paul Henderson, Mike Gartner, Wes Jarvis, they love golfing. They golf uh, a lot. Well, Henny's not golfing so much because of his blood cancer, but uh, mm. when it does warm up, he'll get out and uh, socially distance and golf because he loves it. 
That's awesome. So in closing, we just want to ask, you know, uh, talking to, to uh, young kids who are coming up and, uh, you know, when they're, what's the biggest challenge you see for youth of today who want to live out their faith and play sport? How, how, do, how do they reconcile that? Well, those are, uh, those are two big questions because uh, obviously the cost of sports is, is astro- I'm talking hockey. Yep. In particular, hockey is very expensive, and everybody knows that from, you know, registration to uh, all the equipment, uh, um, and, and then of course if you're on a travel team or anything like that, and and then of course for for those who are trying to live out that faith, I mean those are those are challenges. Uh, of course, uh, we always encourage uh, young people through our hockey camps, and we have hockey camps through Hockey Ministries. Uh, you know, outside of say COVID last year, we had. Uh, 34 camps in eight countries, and we have about 2,000 uh, young boys and girls aged nine through uh, 17. And and Steve had told me before we uh, came on that his folks had been involved uh, with the one in Calgary with the Basson family for a number of years. Yeah. And uh, so Hockey Ministries has been doing hockey camps for 44 years. And I just finished, not last summer, because I, I, I didn't do a camp last summer, but I've done 34 years of camps with Hockey Ministries. And, and we try and encourage young people to, you know, try and get connected with somebody else, uh, either on your hockey team or outside your hockey team with a youth group that in, can encourage you because we all need that encouragement. Uh, we need encouragement in our faith because sometimes there's lots of challenges and there's lots of temptation and there's, you know, it's really hard for young people when you're left out of the loop because, you, and I say this in the right way, because you might not want to do some things. And I could tell you all kinds of stories about that, but, but it, you know, and, and sometimes for young people, it takes a while for that faith to become a reality in their lives. And, and so, you know, along with having supportive parents that are there to uh, support and, and, and guide and help and talk through some things, we encourage young people in their faith to get connected with a youth group, get connected with somebody who's your age or uh, uh, somebody older, like a, a group, like a, like a Bruce Mackey or, you know, like, you, you know, somebody who you. Would I be considered uh, a fossil? You would. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you would yeah. be now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 To your kids, <laughs> to your kids, you would, you, you, you definitely would. Bruce, yeah. Okay. I, I have to say that. Okay. I know you that. Know? Oh, well, listen, well, I tell, I, I tell you guys, I, I mean, I, there, there's so, so many funny stories, but, um, uh, you, you know, so, um, um, my, uh, my, my first wife, Nancy passed away. Uh, um, she passed away 14 years ago mm-hmm. and we have three, three boys. And, uh, when we were raising our kids, we always, uh, um, encouraged them and, and strongly encouraged them education, 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 mm-hmm. because, you know, that's the way it is now for myself. Uh, I got grade 12 out West. I finished grade 12 in the next year I was playing for the Leafs. So when my kids were growing up, it was always education, education, education. So um, uh, 12 years ago, um, uh, I remarried. And so I have three stepkids. So between us, between uh, my first wife and and my wife now, Andrea, we have six kids. We have eight, soon to be nine grandkids. And so all of my kids, uh, my, my three boys and my three step uh, stepkids and Andrea, they all have post-secondary education. Mm. So about four years ago, my youngest boy, who's uh, 27 years old, he's a strength coach for a division one team down in, 
in, uh, in uh, Virginia. Actually, he just moved to another school in Kentucky. Uh, so he's home and we're all home together for Christmas and we're sitting around the table and stuff like that. And, it, you know, we're chatting and, and, and having a good time and stuff like that. And there was a lull in the conversation and my youngest boy goes, who around the table has the least education? Well, everybody, of course, broke up just dying laughing because... Everybody knew that, you know, dear old dad, your old dad or the stepdad has only got grade 12, you know, yeah. so that after the laughter died down, I, I interjected <laughs> and said, who around the table has the most money? Yeah. I <laughs> just put it to rest, but I still, I still maintain, obviously today, you, you know, you have to, education is very important because it's, uh, right. you know, it's, it's not everything, but it's pretty, pretty important. But well, well anyway, my, so my, my pastor says money isn't everything, but it sure keeps the kids in touch. <laughs> that's what he says well listen we, we run out of time but i want to thank oh. you Lori. it's 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 gone already but i want to thank you for joining us today and uh we wish you all the best thanks for uh, sharing your heart and your faith and uh so uh, actually though i didn't ask you this one last question ottawa this week did they not beat calgary not once but twice Oh, oh, Steve, Bruce. that's a sore point, isn't it? Oh, that hurts. <laughs> we're, uh, we're we're going full leaf. We're playing for next year. That's what we're doing out and, here. And and their, their coach now, I think he's this is his third or fourth time out there. Uh, yeah, the one of the Sutter boys. Yeah. Did you play it's, against it's the, the third or fourth brother? I think we got coaching for. Us <laughs> I, I did. Did you, you play know, against Daryl? I did. Yeah. 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 Was I he played, tough? I, I I played against the six. Like Brian was the oldest, and he was. You know, he was uh, played with Bernie Federko and and Wayne Babbage in St. Louis, and they were they were the you know a top line. And Brian was such a good player and tough as nails. And you know, he really set the set the stage for them all. And uh, and I I had forgot how many uh, Bruce had this on a trivia here in one of the trivias we did, and I forgot that there were six of them that played in the NHL. <laughs> and Ronnie and Rich were the two youngest brothers. Uh, but their oldest uh, brother, I think his name is Gary. Yeah. Uh, and Gary is the one who stayed on the farm and that. And I, I mentioned the fact that I was reading in the newspaper several years ago that Gary and some friends, some other farmers, they won the lottery uh, in uh, in Alberta. So wow. it's kind of like, it was just family kind of very, very interesting. Six played in the NHL and the other one wins the lottery. That's not bad. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Stevie, Stevie's cheering a bit for Calgary, but... Uh, yeah, not not too much I, anymore, right? I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep the faithful, you know, the spirits up here, but it's a little a little rough in Cowtown <laughs> this week. So. It is. Oh, especially when you look down the road there and you see Edmonton lighting it up there. Oh, well, that's we, gotta we, hurt, eh? <laughs> the Battle of Alberta has been a bit of a one sided affair for the last decade and a half. So we figure after you know after 18 first round draft picks, we figure we give them a few games on it. So. <laughs> That works. Well, listen, thanks for uh, being with us tonight, Lori. For the Edge of Tom Foolery, my name is Bruce Mackey. I'm Bob Morris. I'm Steve Height. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll see you next week.